Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Gophers win their bowl game yesterday, Jim. Uh, what difference does it make for the program? Any? I don't think so. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, when we're talking about recruiting and what appeals to recruits, you know, we can never be 100% certain. There might be some pretty good player out there who likes the way they play it or like the uniforms, watch the game, and, and it puts them over the edge to to signing with the Gophers, they end up being a better player. So there are all kinds of scenarios where it could help them. I, I just don't know that any of them are that realistic. You want a minor bowl at the end of a disappointing season uh, with an unimaginative offense. I just don't know what you really got out of all this. Yeah. I, I heard they had to kind of re-recruit and then offer money to Darius Taylor to get him to stay. Have you heard that? Yes. Uh, it's one of those things that I haven't seen reported by any of the mainstream reporters I follow, but it's it, it, it's one of those things that if it's not true, it probably should be true. <laughs> yeah, it smells like it's true, yeah. Yes. Uh, no yeah, doubt. So I, I, and they had to do that with Cole Kramer, so, and it kind of makes sense. And, you know, Darius Taylor won that game for him, so they're probably a pretty good investment. Yeah, no doubt. That's for sure. Uh, I thought last night for the first time this year, uh, the Timberwolves looked like the second-best team on the floor. I agree with you. Uh, that, they got run. Uh, Oklahoma City is very good. Oklahoma City playing at home, uh, that is a tough task, but the Wolves really were not competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a combination of a number of things. Number one, you know, even though this is a very good and very exciting Timberwolves team, we have to remember that during an 82-game season you're going to have lulls. There are a lot, that, I thought that was a logical loss when you looked at the schedule. Uh, but when you watch the play out, Oklahoma City's really well coached. You know, Gilgis Alexander is a great player. He's one of the best players in the league right now. Yep. Um, they run a really, really ingenious offense. Creates a lot of open threes, a lot of cuts for for free layups. And and the Wolves did not play well. I, I thought the Wolves didn't play with their usual maximum energy. They didn't uh, lock down in the third quarter the way they usually did. Ball movement was poor. Um, and it was one of those games where you felt like Anthony Edwards sense that his team wasn't all there and tried to take over, and that didn't work out all that well because it's hard to play one-on-five. Yeah. And, and you know, at 129 against them, OKC is, uh, what, fifth or sixth, I think, offensive-rated team uh, in the league, but that was the first time it appeared to me as though the Wolves didn't have any answers. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, they, they, I thought Oklahoma City did a really good job of, of keeping Gobert guessing and moving around so he couldn't play with a lot of certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think the rotations were as, you know, this is one thing Tom Tip, Tom Thibodeau, you know, for all his negatives, is a very smart coach, a very good defensive coach. And one thing, one thing he always said is, you know, never question the system unless you know that the players are really have, have given it their maximum effort. So last night I think the players played hard enough for the defense to work. Uh, they just, you just didn't see the same, same level of contest, contest, the efforts at the three-point line. They didn't uh, cover for each other as well on cuts, and a good offense team took full advantage. And again, maybe it's just a one-game lull that happens in this league, but it's something to watch for when they play against better teams. You know, are better, Will better teams figure out how to score on them, or was it just an effort thing last night? Yeah. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson done for the year. It looked like it. We didn't know for sure when we talked yesterday morning, um, but now we know that he's done ACL and MCL tears uh, you saw the hit on his knee. Is that a hit that needs to be out of the game? 
Yeah, I thought that was a dirty shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, they, and the NFL has done a really good job of cleaning up dirty hits to the head, and I think they, I, I think they should be commended for that. Um, the problem is that some some dirty players who used to go after people's heads now will go after their knees. Mm-hmm. Now that that was a dirty play, and it's a damaging play. Obviously, we don't know how important these next few games will be, whether the Vikings have a realistic chance to make the playoffs, even if they win. But it hurts their chances of winning the next couple of games and having a fair shot at the playoffs. It also is the kind of injury that could uh, mean that Hawkinson is not ready for the beginning of next season. So it's a really damaging play, and I thought it was a dirty hit. And they didn't throw a flag. Is that not a no. penalty-worthy flag or what? I thought it was a should have been a penalty mm-hmm. and an ejection and a fine. Um, I will, I will give the officials a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that it's it's it is hard in the moment with bodies flying to say okay that hit was dirty and that was just a, a good you know low tackle. These are you know watching it at at full speed, it can be tough to discern that. I thought once you slowed it down, watch the replay, you say oh yeah he went after his knee and that's dirty. I, I do think it was a tough thing to call in the moment. When do they announce fines for the game, the game, the week's games? I think it usually comes out on Thursdays, yeah. if I remember correctly. So it's still possible it could happen. Uh, it might be. I, I don't know. I don't have a great feel for how they'll handle this, though. Yeah. One other thing that somebody doesn't have a great feel on is right now Kevin O'Connell. Who's going to play quarterback? Uh, he's been decisive in previous weeks when there's been some question. He's come out on Wednesday and said, this is our guy. So meaning he probably knew shortly after the previous game who it was going to be. Not this week, and it really is up in the air. Yeah, and I think they usually, I usually think players are off on Tuesdays, and coaches often use Tuesday as a chance to get the, their staff together, have full staff meetings, break down film together, talk over the biggest decisions. So, you know, it wouldn't be that out of the ordinary for O'Connell to make an announcement later today. We're talking here, you know, early afternoon. By late this afternoon, they may have come to the decision and decided to make it public. Uh, that's still possible. Yeah. So I don't think it's that, that big a deal. Um, you know, I just I just hope he's, I hope he's not letting people talk him into Nick Mullins. <laughs> I think we just know who Nick Mullins is. <laughs> we do. That's right. So is it better for the future of the Vikings to win their last two and squeak into the playoffs, or is it better for them to drop their last two and maybe get a top-ten draft pick? I, I know there's a pure logic attached to losing games, improving your draft status. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's the right way to run your organization. Uh, think about all the, that has gone into the season, all the players who have been injured, who have played hurt. Jefferson came back. Jefferson never has never hinted, even hinted at not wanting to compete fully, even a year where uh, it looks like the Vikings are up against it and he doesn't have a contract in, in place. I just think you owe it to yourself, the league, your organization to try to win. Mm-hmm. And if you lose and end up getting extra draft pick, that's your consolation prize. I don't think that can be your goal, though. Right. And the other thing is that we've seen so draft after draft, year after year, decade after decade, drafts are so unpredictable. You really don't know if the person you might pick at 8 is better than the person you might pick at 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm not thinking they'll tank. Clearly they won't. They have a shot. Right, but right. But which would be better for them, though, honestly, to get a higher yeah. pick? I mean, because it's a higher pick in every round, not just the first. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably better for them to mm-hmm. lose and get the higher draft pick. But I also have to say, it's been an incredibly unpredictable season. And yeah. 
what we what we tend to talk about during the middle of the week is things we think are we're sure of, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course the Forty Nines will beat the Ravens. Oh, of course the <laughs> right. you know the Browns. I mean, but but you don't know. So so not only are the next two weeks unpredictable for the Vikings, but what if you know let's let's stream something out. What if they play Jaron Hall and he mm-hmm. plays well and they mm-hmm. win their next two games and they get into the playoffs and they end up with a, a matchup with an either beatable team or a team that suffers a nasty key injury? I mean, you just can't rule out. Mm-hmm. We, we just, this league is too unpredictable for it to rule us, completely rule out the possibility that this team could win a couple of games and win a playoff game and and and, and you have to you have to play for that. Yeah. Did they make a mistake when they didn't go after Joe Flacco instead of Josh Dobbs? Uh, I would not have said that at the moment. Now, yes. It's in, in retrospect, yes. I don't blame them for getting the, the mobile you know, guy who, who is really smart and, you know, and also is young enough that if he played well, he might become a part of your future. I don't, I don't, think, they, I don't think they made the wrong decision in the moment. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you just have to say that Dobbs was a disappointment once he got past the first two starts, and Flacco has been... I mean, I, I really didn't think Flacco could do this at this stage. Yeah. Uh, I always thought he was a slightly overrated quarterback who got to play with a great organization, but he's playing great. Yeah. He's playing really well. Um, he was always smart. He was always able to run the offense. His arm strength is still there, and he's playing, he's playing fantastic. So, yeah, in retrospect, Flacco would have been the answer. Yeah, he does have a howitzer, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, no Jair Alexander for the Packers. Suspended conduct detrimental. Uh, to the team that certainly helps the Vikings. What could it be? Do you think with Alexander? Is it practice issues? What's going on? I don't know, but you know, it smells like he got into it with a coach mm. to a level where they just couldn't, you know, function if they let players behave that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's my that's my first guess. I don't have any inside information. That's just my first guess. I'm sure that stuff will leak out over the next couple of weeks. Russell Wilson benched in Denver because of his contract has a $37 million guarantee that automatically kicks in if he finishes the year on the IR, so they're sitting him for two weeks. That's not really good for the game, is it? It's not good for the game, um, and I don't like contracts that are structured that way because this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. I also don't blame the Broncos for saving the money and benching a guy who just hasn't been good enough. Uh, I was always a major proponent of Russell Wilson as a Hall of Famer, as a great player, and he's been a disaster for three years. He played a little bit better from middle in the middle of the season. He seemed to kind of figure things out and start playing better. But he still hasn't played like the guy I thought he was. Well, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.